Hi, this is Steve Hargadon, and it's Wednesday, June 3rd. It's Wednesday, June 3rd in the United States. It's Thursday in Canada, in Australia. Uh, we're sure glad to have you here for the Future of Education. Tonight, it's student participation in building the learning environment, thanks to KnowledgeWorks and Illuminate. If this is your first time in Illuminate or in a Future of Education um, session, I want to give you a brief introduction of this Illuminate environment. You should be hearing my voice now. So I'm going to put a little note in the chat for anybody who might not be hearing it to let them know to go do the audio setup wizard. If you think you might want to ask a question during the Q&A portions of the show, please also go up to Tools Audio and run the audio setup wizard in order to make sure that your microphone is working. I particularly like the wide layout for watching the show in Illuminate. So go up to, if you want to play around, you can go up to View, Layouts, and select the wide layout. I think you'll find the chat's a little easier to read. In your participant window, you can see the other people who are attending. You can send them messages by typing into the chat. You can actually send private messages by, by there's a drop-down box that lets you pick a specific participant to send a message to. Do be aware that moderators, and there are many of us tonight, can see all private messages. At the bottom of your participant window are some fun ways to express your um, appreciation or reaction responses to what's taking place. There's a smiley face. You're welcome to click on that now to test that out. You can click on the clapping hand to clap. There's a little confused face. If, you're, if something's happening and you're confused, or if you disapprove, you can actually give a thumbs down. If we give you the mic, oh, next to those emoticons, they're called, there's a hand with a green arrow up. And if you would like to ask a question or take the microphone, you can click on that button that raises your hand. Uh, we'll ask you to do that at certain times. Then just click it again to lower your hand when you're done. Um, I think that's a good overview of the environment. So we have two raised hands right now. So go ahead and just put your questions in the chat if you actually have questions. Um, and then we'll all try and keep track of questions while we're going to help uh, Susie keep, um, keep track of everything that takes place here. This is a map of the world. And I'm now giving you permissions to, uh, to update that map, which you would do by clicking on the little wand with the red dot or star at the end, and then clicking on where you are on the map. This is a fun way to see where people are coming in from. So Australia, New Zealand, I'm guessing South Korea, Thailand, Japan. Please feel free to put a shout out in the chat as to where you're coming in from, maybe what time it is and what the, the weather is like. I think we may have four in Australia. Okay, thanks for doing that. We're going to move this right along. Tonight's session is called Student Participation in Building the Learning Environment. Our moderator tonight is going to be Susie Boss. We have a number of students with us. We have some educators with us. Susie, I'm going to turn the mic over to you. And if you want to allow people to do some introductions, please feel free. I'm here for technical support. I'll try and gather questions and then make sure that uh, we have a fun event tonight. Wonderful. Well, first let me say thanks to Steve for setting this up. Um, he started talking about this idea a few months back when we were all at Educon together in Philadelphia and the idea of student participation um, naturally occurred to us there because we were surrounded by very engaged students. Um, I'm delighted to be part of this fabulous panel. Uh, we're going to hear tonight from um, several educators, uh, students of varying um, grade levels. Uh, let me start with the adults in the room, and perhaps they can introduce um, the students as, as uh, they have invited them. So we have Sylvia Martinez, who's the president of Generation Yes. Many of you may be familiar with Gen Yes and the wonderful programs that they um, provide 
to really put students in the driver's seat when it comes to um, integrating technology into the classroom. Um, Sylvia, you want to say hello? Just give me a quick wave. Is your mic on? Um, so we can all sure. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. Perfect. Yes. Okay. Just want to say a quick hello. I'm really happy to be here. I didn't bring any students with me because I we had a ton of students participating, and I'm really looking forward to a great conversation. Wonderful. Welcome. And then Connie Weber. Hello. Greetings from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Has been a, a long-term teacher, um, professional developer. Very Ann Arbor. Oh, we've got a little bit of an echo. Connie, is your mic still on? Um, Connie, if you could tell us which students are with you tonight, that would be wonderful to hear. I know you have um, several along. I have Emily, Olivia, and Nishant. And what grade level are they? Uh, fifth and sixth graders. Terrific. And we also have Marcy Hall with us tonight, who's the technology coordinator at the Science Leadership Academy in Philadelphia, which was the host of Educon we were mentioning earlier. Um, Marcy, you have a student with you as well? I do. Uh, Sarah Pernard is sitting with me. Terrific. Well, welcome everyone, adults and students alike. Um, so I think we're going to jump right in with some questions for the students. Um, oh, one more question uh, to the group. I was hoping that Justin Blau would be here. Uh, Justin, if you're here, could you let us know? He's a student I um, invited. He may be joining us later. So Justin could do that by raising his hand, but I don't see him in the list. Don't see him either. I'm hoping he'll join us. He's a high school student from Las Vegas. Um, okay, but let's start off with a question for our our students in the room. We would, our topic tonight is all about student participation in the learning environment. Um, we want to know more from from students who often get overlooked in this conversation all about the future of education. Um, sometimes we forget to to um, encourage their point of view and to ask them what they think should be going on in the world of school. So let's start with Connie's students, if we could. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little about yourself and how you see yourself as someone who helps school be what it is. Um, to be a little more specific, maybe you could tell us about an example where you got to take the lead at school um, and, and um, make a decision that, that shaped how the day went, how your learning unfolded. Hi, I'm Olivia and... Ask if everybody can hear you. Can everybody hear me? Yep, loud and clear. Yep, loud and clear. Okay. Okay. And I was, that, for that question, I was thinking because um, we started something called digital storytelling where we recorded ourselves in front of a green screen and we Basically, we hadn't explored that, and I was the first one to explore that, and it was quite interesting. And it kind of felt—I started it, and it was kind of like a scout searching for new land. And we started that, and we also did—we finally finished that project successfully, but using a different program than I was thinking of using. Uh, you want to talk about TV, right? Um Also, a problem-based learning where we um, where you get, you get, have a problem such as elephant ivory or um, that is thinking or um, different problems, and we would maybe create a solution. And one that I did was um, some Chinese activists were students were um, trying to save endangered animals from Chinese menus and they were mainly focusing on reptiles and to save them from being extinct. Terrific. Hi, I'm and, uh, and also I think my favorite thing about taking lear learning in our hands, I guess, is our class network. We, um, last year we had a class network and it was really fun to use. We could all post forums up and everybody would, I guess, everybody would work together and 
it, and sometimes Connie would post things, but otherwise we might do stuff on there too. It was just really fun and we got to do a whole lot of stuff on our own. Okay, I'm going to get it to Okay. Emily, Emily, you have a third Yeah. Okay. I'm Emily, and the, uh, our network was like, it was really helpful because it was really, well, it was great to be, do on there and like do stuff on there and be connected 24-7. Yeah. And you can be like connected with your class and if you travel. Even if you like go somewhere else like far away and you can still go on and see if anybody was on, maybe. So, and sometimes you could like connect with the rest of your class. And it was really, it was really cool because you could like start a conversation about anything you want to. And yeah, it's cool. Good. Terrific. Charlie, do you want to tell us a little more about the the learning network that you set up for your students? I'm curious, um, you know, how that originated, and and just tell us a little about how that worked. Sure, I set up a Ning a Ning network for the kids, and. Uh, we interblended classroom, classroom networking with online networking, and we never knew which was which. They blended so seamlessly. We would be online in class and online out of class. We could talk about what we did online in class, so we could get up on the big screen the discussion that occurred the night before and talk about what kind of standards we wanted to have for writing and where we wanted to take a conversation in the next step. Um, kids could post pictures of where they were when they traveled, if they were far away. I think Nish, you you uh, went to India. you went to India and then wrote to us about what it was like in India, and so we were all together at the same time. Oh, kids, do you see questions coming up for you on the screen? Um, let's see, what other questions do you have? I think I think the network was the most powerful thing I ever did as a teacher for increasing student voice in learning. The students could put out the questions they wanted to have classmates discuss and answer and work around. They could post their work. They could um, be in touch at any, at any time they wanted to be in touch. And it was often, believe me. OK. And I, I guess I'd like to circle back around to the students and ask them, you know, what changed for you? How different was that to be able to ask questions at any time and to shape your own learning experience in the way that your teacher's describing? Anybody want to jump in on that one? How did that change your learning experience? Um, well, um, it's, it's Emily. And we cha we cha it changed it because like, it, helped, it helped us with technology. And but it, al it also led let us kind of, in a way, even though we weren't like talking in the class, it still helped us come together more because of like the discussions and the profiles. And kids who are shy might like come might, out a lot more. Yeah, speak out, speak out more if they're just typing on a computer. You can all talk at the same time. I think that's yeah. nice. You can gather around. And uh, also, it seemed like God. Uh, yeah, the the writing quality of everybody changed a lot by the time that we were at the end of the year. It seemed like everyone was writing more and all this stuff. And it kind of expanded um, people, kids' minds by exploring and learning in a different way on name, digitally. And it basically, we learned how to learn in a different way. Anybody else have something to add? Terrific. I, I wonder if we could bring Marcy's student in a little bit. Um, Sarah, you're a high schooler. Maybe you could tell us um, what grade you're in and tell us a little bit about how student voice um, is part of the day-to-day -day existence at the Science Leadership Academy. I've seen that in action myself. Um, what's it like to be in a school where students are listened to kind of every day? Um, well, I'm in 11th grade. And I guess uh, there's a big part of like the student voice in our school where um, 
there's definitely a lot of discussions that we start in classes and then continue on through the uh, marking period to talk about later. And um, we have this thing called FLA Talk on our uh, Moodle page, which is kind of our school homepage. And um, that's a really good place to get the students' opinions and ideas about things out so that everybody can kind of understand what's going out on in everyone else's head. Terrific. And um, I guess one last question for the, the students, and we're going to come back to you again um, throughout the hour. But I guess I'd like to hear a little bit about what you think about the future, not just the future of education, but your own future. So your day-to-day -day life at school, these opportunities that you're getting to kind of speak up and, and um, be part of you know, directing your own learning, how does what you do at school every day kind of shape what you're thinking about the future? Shall we start with you, Sarah? We were just talking, so can you repeat the questions to us? Sorry. Sure. Um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm wondering how your students are thinking differently about the future, you know, in terms of what they're doing in their day-to-day -day, um, activities at school. How is that changing the way they see themselves going into the future? What are they prepared for? Um, do they feel like they're more ready to, to lead or to voice an opinion? Um, and I was going to ask to start with Sarah. I think, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk for her for just a second. It's, it's a hard sure. answer uh, for her to, to um, it's a hard question for her to answer because she doesn't know any other way with high school, so she's always been in front of her laptop having all of these experiences. And this is from the ninth grade, and she's in 11th grade now, so this is her normal. Gotcha. So I think that um, some of our kids are going to be disappointed when they get to college because it's going to be sit and lecture and they won't be involved with uh, school decision making. I guess I'm curious, Sarah, what you're hearing from friends who go to other schools that aren't set up in quite the same way as, um, as your school. Um, have you compared experiences and, and what are you hearing from, from kids in more traditional settings? Um, there's definitely been a lot of differences between the way my school operates and my friends' schools because uh, there's definitely been times where the student body has been able to like make a decision or decide what they want to do for like a trip or go someplace. We have this thing that's advisory day where we get to go out with our advisor and like we get to make that decision as to where we want to go and what we want to do. And I, there's never been any other point in any of my school history or anybody's school that I know where they're able to do that and they can make the decisions for what they want to do and actually like be listened to by the higher up like teachers and whatnot. So you've kind of gotten used to that it sounds like. Something you expect going forward? Yes. Great. Okay. Connie, how about your students? Um, do they have more to add on this on this topic? Kind of thinking ahead to the future, even you know, for them future is going to mean middle school. Um, are they expecting to have the same kinds of choices and opportunities um, in their middle school setting? Yeah. How does middle school connect to your experience here? Or what do you hope or wish or how is it going? Well, um in middle school and in, in middle school. You okay? You get you don't get week's work like we did in Connie's class. We we get homework every day, but it's it's still okay because because hmm. <laughs> gather around. I think you do better if you're all gathered around together. I think she's asking how technology connects in middle school middle to what you just said. Actually, I'm Nishan, so I'm in middle school as well. Um, we don't use technology that much. Um, the most we do is like sometimes we get the laptop and we use it online, but there's no no network. There's not much that we use the computers for at all. Just textbook learning. <laughs> Although sometimes the teachers do use like we we have smart. Some of the teachers have smart board. Like our math teacher is smart board and. And yes, and we and we and we use it and we use it for like lessons and stuff. We don't just like have a teacher lecturing us. And it's better that way, but it's fun. 
Any of your other students need to, to chime in, Connie, or um, did we hear from all of them? I think I think you heard from everybody about your question was about how middle school connects to uh, what they were doing in elementary. Yeah, just kind of what they're hoping for that, you know, kind of in near, near term future. Near term future. You want to say something more about how you, how you wish to connect to each other during school, in middle school and high school? Um, if you could choose. Yeah, get over closer. I think that for connecting to each other in um, middle school and high school, I think that a, that a network, whether it's main emails or whatever else it is, is any, any kind of sources, use Facebook, maybe. But just something for everybody to connect, for everybody to communicate, and then it adds. Oh, you're going to be part of the network next year, right? That we yeah. set up in class. Yeah. And that. Uh, there's there's going to be uh, a new, another class network that that Connie's going to spend a lot of time um, building. Yeah. And and uh, most of us are going to be part of that. That's going to be. I think that'll probably have the features that we. Wanted Bing to have the features that Bing had. The we're switching over to ELGG. Yeah, we're using uh, e ELGG. This is funny. Somebody wants to know if you have positive social outcomes from having a network. Did you have positive social outcomes from that? You might yeah, have Did it help you get along with each other? And did it build up your relationships? You could talk about being in India and that kind of thing. Well, like the class. The class network, of course, it's like it's not the same as talking to a person, but you still like you can display like everything you like, what you what's your favorite food, and so on. As elders. Yeah, and um, I thought the internet was a great creation because you can explore talking to someone at different perspectives without having to be with the person. It could be around the world. It could be anywhere. Plus your conversation. You had a question for Connie. We're getting a little bit of echo here. I do, and it's hard because Connie's got all those computers running in there. But good work, you guys, getting everything set up. Hey, Connie, I wondered if you wouldn't quickly tell the story of your uh, class network going down and the role the students played in rebuilding that network. Sure, I'd be happy to. <laughs> you should see the faces around here. That was quite an adventure. We we compared it to a shipwreck, I believe, right? Right, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the ground, and then it all just goes away. It was a big accident, let's put it that way. But I can't think of anything that we learned more from in all of our experiences. Uh, I have a blog I can put up that describes the scene pretty well. I'll get the link to that shortly. But. Uh, Basically, we went along without categorizing our forums. And uh, then we had a situation where we decided we should categorize our forums. And um, you want to tell the story? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I, so I went online, and I was uh, looking there. And I found, and I looked in the categories page. I found two categories. I found uncategorized and something else. So I, I figured, I looked at it, and I said, OK, but there can't be anything in the categories. We've never done anything like that before. <laughs> so I figured, why not just go ahead and get rid of both of those categories? So I got rid of that other one. Nothing happened. I got rid of that next one. Delete uncategorized. Yeah, I, just, I just deleted all the uncategorized forums, which I thought was nothing. But then when I exited the categorization page, I saw nothing on the forums page. There's just nothing there. So I emailed Connie and I whatever and then she called back and then the next day when we all came to school we spent a whole bunch of time putting up forums. We did Ask Elders, current event forums, practically everything we could do. And it just came back a lot better in most of our opinions. Yeah, we were really happy with the whole experience and how it turned out. We rebuilt the whole network within a couple of days, and we felt that it was even better. And by rebuilding it, um, I had a, an ed professor come into my class, and she said, what are your kids doing? I said, oh, they're rebuilding a network. She said, oh my gosh, do you realize what that means? I said, what are you talking about? She said, they've internalized the whole thing. They have it in their head. This is constructivist education at its finest. So 
we felt proud of ourselves, even though we didn't really know what we were doing, but it all got rebuilt rapidly and it was even better. So I think it says something about how the kids internalize and uh, take to heart what they're doing with the network. That's terrific. Um, hard to imagine a you know, more, more real life uh, experience than having to troubleshoot an entire network. And it's going to be a lasting learning experience, I'm sure. Um, let's shift a little bit and talk um, to some of the adults in the room. We do have some hands raised here. Um, do you want to take questions now or do you want to wait for another break? I can give my capability to Bob and Scott if you want to let them ask questions. Susan, we've lost your audio. I wonder if you turned your mic off accidentally. Oh, is that better? Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we sorry hear about you that. At all. So, did you want to take sorry. some questions now or do you want to wait until after you've uh, asked your next question? Uh, let's go ahead and take a couple questions now. They may well be for students. Okay, so I'm going to give Bob F. the mic. Bob, you're welcome to leave your question in the chat or you can grab the mic. There you go. Hello, folks. Could you hear me? Hello. Yep, we can hear you. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm wondering. Um, I might have missed this part, but you know, guys, it's all about the assessments and the NCLB stuff, and I'm wondering how much, how the teachers are assessing the work that the, that the kids are doing. Um, some comments from the teachers. I, I'd love to hear that. Thank you. Okay. Could we hear from from uh, from both Connie and Marcy on that question? Connie, do you want to start? Do you want to go, or do you want me to start? <laughs> we both want each other. So, okay. Um, I'll go ahead if that's okay. Uh, yeah. We're in the NCLB era, which I have found to be one of the most destructive eras in the uh, 30 years I've been teaching. Um, I think that the way to get kids really going and learning and producing is in a very organic way by having them write a lot and respond a lot to each other and write about things that are meaningful to them. That absolutely clearly accelerated with a networked class. What we would do is have the, um, have the networked items from the previous night shown up on the smart board and we would discuss it together. So we would be doing a face-to-face -face discussion about an online presentation or an online discussion, and then we would talk together about standards. And that, to me, is much more powerful than having standards laid onto kids from up above. Um, what the kids would be doing is determining what standards benefit communication, what standards make us proud of ourselves, what standards uh, make us clear with each other about what we're doing. Um, uh, am I answering your questions? How do we assess? We assess in a very natural, organic, ongoing way by having a vision of who we are as a learning community. It sounds pretty authentic to me. Um, uh, any other thoughts on assessment before we kind of move along? Well, I was going to say um, how we do it at Science Leadership, and I know that Diana Lockenberg is somewhere in the room as well, and Diana, if you have anything to say about this, it would be great or write about this, but um, we're pretty lucky to have a leader like uh, Chris Lehman, who uh, we spent a lot of time creating a rubric when the school started that could be, that takes quantifiable um, or qualifiable work by the students and makes it quantifiable. And that is what we report to our district and that's how we stay in alignment with um, our district and the state. So we're taking benchmark um, projects and after the kids turn all of their work in, we're able to compare them from class to class because they're assessing the same state standards and then we're also able to um, compared to the rest of the district because of this special rubric that we've come up with as a staff. And Marcy, are, are teachers looking at student work together? So you have kind of multiple eyes on, you know, comparing um, student work as a collaborative practice? 
Yes, definitely we are in two different ways. One, um, we come together in our staff meetings and talk about the different projects that are going on. And also, um, we collaborate across the different disciplines. Terrific. Um, we have a, a late joiner um, to the group, and that's Justin Blau, a student I invited to join us. He's um, a high school senior at the Meadows School um, in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, Justin, do you want to test your mic real fast and say hello? Click on the microphone. Click on the microphone. Is it working? Are you there? Yes, that's Are terrific. Yeah, is yes, it working? That's terrific. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask Justin to tell us a little, a little bit. Oops. Steve, can you help us with the echo? Justin, I turned off your mic. When you're not speaking, be sure to turn your mic off or there will be an echo. But you can turn it right back on when uh, Susie's done with her question. Terrific. I'm going to um, set everyone up to understand a little bit, Justin, about what you've done. He's a, a student at, at, as I said, the Meadows School in um, Las Vegas. He and, and some colleagues began one of the first micro-lending organizations based at a high school. Um, this was very much a student-directed initiative. It's since spread to the classroom level so that some of the activities and content that, that happens through the micro-banking initiative is also taught um, in, in global studies or in social studies or economics courses. But Justin, if you could tell us just a little bit about how you got that initiative started and how your own idea um, was kind of embraced by your school. So go ahead and click on your mic and tell us a little bit about how you got things off the ground. Sure. Um, well, I began um, in November of 2007 by hosting an assembly at my school where we showed a brief video um, that described all the amazing benefits of microfinance. And luckily, all the students at our school um, all the students at our school were extremely interested after this assembly, and we were able to attract over 50 students to our first meeting. And one of my goals in um, forming TMS Microbank was that the organization was going to be completely student-run. Um, and the benefit of that, in my mind, was that students would get the experience not only working with the financial aspects of microbanking, but also um, students would become familiar with the lives of, of people, or of entrepreneurs in developing worlds where they don't have the same opportunities as we do in the United States. And part of my goal was um, giving students that perspective, bridging the gap between what we have here in the United States and the unfortunate circumstances that entrepreneurs in developing countries must face um, with their businesses. And to, to this day, we've been um, extremely lucky in that our students have been extremely committed um, and we have students separated into different groups. Each has their own job within the group. It's very stratified. And students completely control the organization. Um, not only do students um, make the loans themselves, actually make, you know, keep the books, but students also do the research on new ways that we can improve our organization from whether that's, you know, other ways besides lending, from eyeglass campaigns where we would donate money to um, eyeglass distribution campaigns in developing countries to help women and men um, even begin their entrepreneurial initiatives. So it's been it's been wonderful. That's terrific. Um, and we're going to come back. I'm sure there are going to be some questions um, for you, uh, Justin. I might just add that um, there's a piece in Edutopia I just wrote in for the June issue that describes the microlending initiative both at the Meadows School and another school in Bellevue, Washington. But I think the bigger question here is how can we encourage more of the kinds of experiences we've been hearing about for the last um, you know, half an hour or so? How do we make student participation, student voice um, very much part of the day-to-day -day experience of school and not the exception? So let's shift gears a little bit. Um, I, I'd like to kind of um, toss the question over to Sylvia, who's um, organization, um, Jen, yes, is kind of right in the thick of student engagement and student participation. And Sophia, I wonder if you could start off talking about you know, what, what does it take to create um, this kind of new normal where students are really leading every day? Oh, thanks. Can you hear me? Yep. Sounds great. Yes? Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I just I think a lot of what's being said here is is the things I see over and over again. Um, you know, Connie talked about the adventure. It was a shipwreck. You know, I think kids being involved with real things, authentic experiences. Um, that means the teacher has to be a little brave. They can't have all the answers ahead of time. Um, you know, you have to share with the kids the the frustrations as well as the the um, you know, the things you know are going to work. A lot of times we give kids science experiments that we know only work one way. We give them worksheets that only have one answer. We give them, you know, we call them projects, but there's really only one way for it to work. And it takes a certain kind of teacher and it takes, it takes support for that teacher to give them the freedom to let the kids fail. And it takes, it takes a certain kind of teacher to relax a little bit and let the kids struggle with the frustration that comes along just be that comes just before you make a big breakthrough. So that's you know all these things. Yeah, Jane, exactly. It makes teaching fun. I mean, I think for a lot of teachers, that's exactly what they want to have and what they want their classroom environment to be that they have to live in every day. So I think teacher voice and student voice go hand in hand. Connie um, and Marcy, um, more that you'd like to add? Is, uh, is Sylvia um, kind of speaking to the choir here, or are these um, ideas that you experience on a day-to-day -day basis? Sorry, I missed Sylvia's question. Oh, oh I guess I'm just curious. You're feeling that fearlessness as a teacher. Um, do you feel as though you have opportunities? Um, is failure an option? Uh, and is it an option you can learn from as a teacher and with your students? Um, or, you know, I think we heard a bit about um, a shipwreck in your, in your situation that, that was a huge learning experience. Um, Marcy, more you'd like to add? Uh, it definitely is scary. And I've had uh, firsthand experience with kids not being happy with my performance as their teacher because um, they feel like I should be giving them more, more information and actually lecturing more to them or being the giver of knowledge instead of having them be, instead of teaching them to be problem solvers and finding that knowledge themselves. And it's almost sort of like, you know, the kids can use Facebook, but they're not really good at um, in-depth uh, research and, and different things that you can also do with um, the internet. So there, there is sometimes a bigger struggle that they don't even understand at the time uh, what you're doing, even if you're totally transparent and try to describe it to them. So from my experience, the more that I set up the expectations in the beginning for self-guided learning and um, inquiry-driven learning, it uh, makes the kids a lot more comfortable with the direction that I go in. But it is a very scary experience to have your, have your students in your classroom tell, tell you that they're not happy. <laughs> okay. Um, Marcy, I know you and I have had conversations in the past about having to encourage particularly freshmen at your school to be a little more active and a little less passive. You, you told me one time that your students come in very kind of well trained to sit and wait for instructions. Um, is there more that you could tell us about that and, and how do you kind of deliberately encourage more active learning and less passivity? Sure. Um, I think kids come in ready to, to uh, do school. They've sort of um, managed to figure out a way how uh, they're supposed to act and react in the, in the school setting. And when they come into Science Leadership Academy, it's a whole new thing. So I've even heard, overheard some of my teachers saying that the kids have asked to be put back in the rows and take a test. <laughs> um, I think sometimes that's easier. But uh, I think especially in my Tech 9 class with all the incoming freshmen, I try to be very transparent in what it is that we're asking and what it is that the mission is for the school and also to get them talking and put them in groups and uh, sort of ease them into um, self-guided learning. Okay, so you don't turn them loose with a mammoth project um, perhaps their, uh, their freshman year, although at, at your school I know that some pretty big projects um, start right off the bat. So, yeah. 
A lot of them do. Uh, I come to it through the language of acceptable use policies a lot of the time because in that I can teach them about the network and how those things work. A lot of kids come and they can't. They have certain skills, but they don't have in those in-depth skills. So I'm uh, concentrated a lot on that. Um, Diana's in the room. She's the history teacher, and uh, I know that she does huge projects. But they're um, guided by her in such a way that they can sort of. Um, take little bites off of that huge chunk. Absolutely, absolutely. A well-designed project is going to guide them through the whole process. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, hear I'm hearing from um, Steve that we have a couple of questions or comments in the room. Um, Scott, do you have a question you've been waiting patiently to ask? Scott, I've given you the mic. If you want to click on the microphone button in the audio box, you can. I know you have mic capability. You had it the other night. So there you go. Hello, hello. Yeah. Go ahead. You unmute here. Hello, hello. We can hear you fine, Scott. Okay, great. Um, this is a beautiful conversation. And like I say, I came in late, so I missed the kids and bad on me. I just got caught up here and. In, in my home, but um, I, I really think that it's about uh, what everybody's saying. I've been I've been working really hard in the ch in the chat area, and what everybody's saying is that it's really about what Steve's comment was that talking about helping students become self-motivated learners, and it's really true. And if we can give them that somehow, rather than than let them leave our classrooms with with uh, the ability to fill in little circles with number two pencils um, and spew back what the teacher wants them to say. That's what it's all about. Great. I, I think you're a room full of people who agree with you tonight, Scott. Um, and Nish, do you have a, a question or a comment that you wanted to make? Does he have the mic, um, Steve? So Connie, is he going to use your mic to speak? But Nish, I know Nish does have a comment to make about a program they run there called Kids Teach Teachers. Connie, can he use your mic? There we go. Connie, can he use your mic? There we go. Um, yeah, we do. Uh, we did this thing where we uh, would ask elders, which uh, sometimes with parents, usually grandparents. We also had senior partners, but we asked them questions. And uh, so, like, Connie uh, put one, um, like a turning point in your life, or maybe favorite music, favorite food, and things like that. And we'd ask them those questions, then we'd put that on the network. It was just and then we'd react fun to, to do. Yeah, and then we'd all reply to what we put, and we'd say who it was, and then but it was just a really fun thing to do. Yeah, and sometimes the elders were. Would on, or be would be on there uh, with us, and then the elders would be talking to the other elders who would who are on there too. So you started all kinds of conversations. It sounded like great, great, good, good. Yeah, we did have a whole bunch of conversations with uh, the elders. We had some grandparents on our network. Yeah, some uh, some people's grandparents were on the network. One of uh, no, my classmates' uh, grandpa was on the network for a little bit. Terrific, multi generational. It's wonderful. Um, you know, I guess the big question here is again, how can we make this a more um, typical part of, of the way school works. And I'm wondering for the, the teachers in the room, what obstacles get in the way now? You know, what are you seeing as drawbacks to allowing students to have more direction over their learning? Um, what are the barriers? I would say anybody want to jump in? Can you can you hear me? Am I um, being yes. heard right now? Yes. Okay. Um, I would say one of the obstacles is when school schooling gets really tightly defined with um, proscribed learning bits. 
so that uh, you feel like you have to cover a certain amount within a certain time. And uh, working on the internet, working on networks, working in open-ended project-based assignments is going to go any place. You can't you can't box it in. You can't define it. So what is really needed in class is time, time to explore, time to uh, let things be discovered and explored. Okay, Marcy, other other things you want to add? Obstacles that you've encountered at SLA and, um, and what you've done to overcome them? Yeah, Sarah and I were actually just um, talking about this, and I asked her like what it is uh, that she sees in her classrooms and things like that. And um, like I said before, the kids come in and they can they know how to to work school, and a lot of the time they fear not. Go, they fear going in the wrong direction or getting it wrong. And actually, I tell my students all the time, uh, I've set you up for failure here. And we're going to learn as a group what was wrong and what was right. And then we're going to reflect on that. So yeah, you to maybe you totally went in the wrong direction. But that's not wrong. It's just a part of the learning process. So I, I try to set them up for, for failure so that they can learn that it's OK to go in a different direction. But I think there is a certain element of fear that they have, um, which is an obstacle for the teachers at SLA. Um, uh, Justin, if you could turn your mic back on for a minute. I'm curious if um, this was a message that you got as you tried to set up your um, the microbank. I know it took you a while to kind of get things off the ground. Was there uh, direction that you received from your advisor or help that you got um, from the school um, that kept you motivated and kept you going forward? Sure. Um, actually, it, if it weren't for our teacher advisor, I think that TMS Microbank wouldn't be any nearly um, wouldn't be nearly as successful as it has become today. Um, our world history teacher, um, he, he was actually part of my inspiration for even beginning the initiative, um, and he was basically the intermediary between the students and the faculty. Because as with any you know, organization that has extremely, extremely large goals, a lot of the faculty were a little bit um, were, were a little bit unsure about the prospects of a microbank in a high school. And our our history teacher um, was able to assure our faculty and our administration that it was not only a worthy cause but that it could also benefit the school in many ways. And eventually what, what happened was our history teacher was able to speak with other teachers within our private school, which is a very small private school, which is also part of the reason why um, a lot of this was able to, to get accomplished. But he, he talked to our economics teacher, and he talked to another history teacher, both of which incorporated micro-lending-based research and activities in the classroom. Um, our economics teacher um, did, did an entire project with the class about um, analyzing microloan statistics, analyzing the reasons why um, it's even more likely for an entrepreneur in a developing country to pay back their loan than an entrepreneur in the United States to pay back their loan in, a time, in, in this economy. And our history teacher um, led, led a whole seminar about, how, about the social issues behind um, entrepreneurship in developing countries. The, the barriers that poverty that poverty presents to a lot of motivated people and the and the opportunities that they lack there and I think that because we were able to pinpoint a very motivated advisor um, the teacher student partnership was extremely essential to the success of the organization. It's it's terrific to hear this. I mean I love this um, kind of handoff starting with a, a student interest. Um, an extracurricular activity becoming an academic um, focus um, and, and going in some interesting directions. And I might add also that although um, some of you may be thinking, oh, well, he did this at a, a small private school. No wonder it was able to, um, you know, to, to take off more flexibility, less obstacles, et cetera. But I'll let you know that um, if you have students interested in this idea, Justin has created kind of a whole packet to help other schools in um, different contexts um, do the same thing. So he's kind of interested in starting a movement of, of high school micro lending. And um, we can provide some links later to help people find out more about that. 
Um, we have about 15 minutes left, and I guess I'd like to focus maybe a little even more broadly to kind of look at the, the culture of school. Um, what can we do? Um, what structures can we put in place? Are there protocols? Are there procedures? Are there ways to set up the whole culture of school so that student voice, student participation, student engagement um, are, are well received um, and are, are um, just part of the ordinary way that school works. And I'm hoping that um, Marcy can tell us a little bit about some of the thinking you've done at the Science Leadership Academy. Um, and then um, Sylvia, maybe you could chime in next about you know, what you see kind of system-wide. But let's start with you, Marcy. Um, I think the most important thing is to get all of the adults on the same page and have them start to um, be uh, models for the kids. So the whole staff needs to be pushing in um, the same direction and it's encouraged because we meet uh, once a week and we discuss which way we want to go. So a lot of uh, PD is very, very important and I see a lot of people um, chatting in about there needs to be more time for professional development and there needs to be more time for the adults to get together and talk and learn. And I think that's um, definitely one of the most important things but one of the biggest obstacles. And after that, it's really giving the kids room to be kids and um, not that schools shouldn't have rules but I think um, one of the things that's helped out at science leadership is having very vague rules. So they have they don't know, all right, they can't make the wager of I can take this consequence for that particular um, for the rule that I break. Uh, instead, it's I don't know what's going to happen if I do that. But I think that's one of the things that that works in our advantage is to um, give give kids the freedom to be kids and instead of coming down on them with these rules, we can have conversations with kids. So um, that's one of the things that our principal talks about uh, with the ethic, the ethic of care. So the adults in one direction and just really caring about kids and um, having the, the care that you have for kids be second to uh, teaching them. Fabulous. Um, ethic of care is just has such a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Such a nice flavor. Um, Sylvia, I wonder what you can tell us, you know, about what you're seeing um, broadly as you work in many schools. What cultural, um, you know, supports can we put in place that really allow for the, the kinds of um, student-driven projects that are, are a big part of what you do with Gen Yes? Oh, thanks. Um, I think one of the things I, I see often is that the, the, the students and the teachers will look at themselves as a learning a community where they, they're all equal participants. They, they, every side has something to offer and something to learn. I think with a lot of professional development that happens outside the classroom, it, it gives a negative message that we don't realize. I mean, we take the teachers out of the classroom, we teach them technology, we say they're supposed to be risk takers, we say they're supposed to you know, do all these fancy things, but then we also say, well, let's go outside the classroom, let's practice this so we don't want to look bad in front of the kids. I think there are some messages there that probably we don't even realize we're giving to teachers, that technology is hard, that it, you can't make mistakes in front of the kids, and it also takes away the first-hand experience of the teachers seeing what kids do with technology. That's so important. Um, if teachers don't see kids programming, they don't believe it because they put their own fears in place of the kids. If they don't see the students grappling with, with major problems that they themselves couldn't solve, they won't get it. I think we have to take professional development out of the wherever it's been taken to and put it back in the classroom. And that's harder because when's the time? When do you do it? But I think it's crucial that we push professional development back into the classroom and make the students a part of it. And the, the style of professional development you're describing is really about learning. When I think about grappling with something, struggling with something, I mean, isn't that what learning is really all about? And, from what I'm hearing you say, we need to let students see that adults do that too. Um, is that part of what happens, do you think, Sylvia, in, in programs where you know you are you do gain traction? 
Oh, absolutely. You know, um, and I think you have to give up on things that don't work. I mean, we we put people in workshops. We've been begging teachers for 30 years to do technology, and nothing's really changed. We've got to give up and try new things. But you know, you can also try different kinds of professional development. I'm involved with a summer institute called Constructing Modern Knowledge. We don't lecture. We sit and we play with hard stuff and interesting software for four days and let teachers take off their teacher hats. In Genius schools, we ask the kids to teach the teachers in a, in a structured way, in a way that they're being helpful and not just you know bo being bossy or something. But you know, the adults have a lot to give, and the students do too. And together, it's better for everybody. Fabulous. Um, those, those sound like words of wisdom to me, Sylvia. Um, we have about five minutes left, and I'd love to hear some questions from um, the room, the bigger room. If um, if people have questions, Steve, could you help um, bring those voices out? I not only will help bring those voices out, but I'm going to take advantage of the moment and, and make a couple of connections. One is the topics that have been discussed tonight would be great for EduBloggerCon the Saturday before NECC. It's a free, all-day, collaboratively built conference. Go to EduBloggerCon.com. And actually, if, if you're interested in having a discussion on one of these topics, these are not presentations. They're just facilitating discussions. And please go ahead and schedule it. The same is true at NECCUnplugged.com, which is both virtual and uh, on-site at NECC. These are great topics and would love to have them be explored um, in both those venues. So I'm hoping people will do that. Okay, so uh, I'm going to give Dion the mic. While I do so, I'm going to open up the web tour and put in the evaluation for tonight's show. Please don't any of the moderators close that down because it will close down for everyone. But I am going to go ahead and put the, the web tour link up for the survey. We appreciate it if you'd fill that out and let us know how you thought tonight went. It helps us improve. And Dion, I'm giving you the mic. Uh, can everyone hear me? Yes. No. Yes? Brilliant. Um, I, excuse me, my Australian accent, uh, I teach in a brand new school that has just been uh, started up this year. Uh, I teach year seven and we're still building the rest of the school. I was interested in uh, sharing the, any of the students' opinions about what they think is something very, very important for me to incorporate. Uh, something very important for me to incorporate into the new part of the building, uh, whether it be physical things or uh, ideas. Fabulous. Um, Sarah, we haven't heard from you for a while, um, student from Science Leadership Academy. Anything that you would put on that wish list? Uh, can you repeat the question real quick? Okay, sorry, Sarah. I'm building a new school, essentially. Uh, we've currently got year six and seven in the school. Next year, there'll be year eight, and we're building the new path to the school. Uh, and we're also you know, putting in all the new equipment and new uh, processes. Uh, what, could you name one or two things that you think would be essential to that? Um, I think laptops are a really good addition to um, schools. It's really important, at least for me, to be able to not only just stop at a textbook, but also go out and see how situations or events applied it, like ended up working in the real world, and then Moodle's a really good thing that we use where everybody can get in contact with each other, and all of our homework and all of the classwork and things that we have to do is all up on a uh, calendar, so it's really easy to organize our time. And um, <clears throat> another thing that we do is, um, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, one of the really important things that we have is that the uh, teachers really know how to use um, <coughs> uh, the technology. We have teachers who get really excited about the new things. And like my history teacher um, got this new computer thing that she had all set up so that it's the small little Apple computer and it's for the entire classroom. And it all it, she's just really innovative with the way that she does things and all of our teachers are like that. And it, everything just makes sense with the assignments that we do. Terrific. Uh, Connie, do your students have some great ideas to share of you know, their dream for you know, what a school of the future should have? 
I'm going to cut in there? real quickly while, while you're waiting sure. for Kinda to answer because I keep putting the web tour up with the survey and it keeps getting closed down. I think a moderator is accidentally doing that. So just don't, please don't close that window if you're a moderator. That would include Sylvia, Marcy, Connie, and Connie's computers because um, otherwise the survey closes down for everyone. Thank you. Okay, Dream. I guess uh, dreams on a school teacher might be like, right? That was the question. Dreams for a school. Dreams for a school. Yeah. I think the ideal school, I think it would be nice to have some amount of networked learning because that's, that's really good, good thing to have. Our uh, 20th century uh, technology is um, most recent textbook goes up to like 2001 or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then it all just stops but, there most of the things. But on the internet you can. Yeah, on the internet there's a like a gold mine of information. You can find anything you want. And Wikipedia is like almost updated every single day. And do you know how to use Wikipedia? Is Wikipedia a reliable source, or how do you check whether your sources are reliable? Well, well, sources too. Right. Well, Wikipedia. Well, some. I think Wikipedia. I'm afraid they monitor. Monitor what? Moderator. Usually, they kind of monitor it. They kind of misunderstand yeah. what people put in. Sometimes post it in. So how do you check? Yeah. I think that Wikipedia, I, it's uh, probably not, it, it's not good for doing a report. I wouldn't trust it if I was doing a spoiler report. But would you use the links and check them out? Just, yeah, I, I would use yeah. the links. Uh, the, more, the links are definitely a good, good way to, good portal. Just use more than just Wikipedia. Now get back to the ideal school. If they were going to create an ideal school, what would you say one thing they could put in there? The ideal school would probably have... <laughs> oh, yeah, our school is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, our school is pretty great. Oh, uh, check for your physical learning. Well, where they have those, that actually increases your brain power. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had laptops in school. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. laptops in school definitely. Yeah, and more yeah. more than new versions, they had the iBook one at our school, and they're. Okay, so just to sum up very quickly, it sounds like technology, access, connections, communication, um, and permission to use it all. Um, Justin, anything you want to add as the other student in the room? Um, I'm just fascinated by the way this entire conversation has gone. I've never seen anything like it, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. <laughs> Terrific. Um, Steve, I'm afraid we're nearing the end of our hour. Um, you know, I, I was hoping that our last conversation would be about how do we capture all these great ideas and, and share success stories so that um, we can kind of spread this vision of engaged student learners and really help it, you know, become the norm. You've offered us opportunities to do that at NEC and at uh, uh, BloggerCon. Um, Neck unplugged. Um, other ideas or ways that we can engage on uh, the Future of Education website if people want to keep this conversation going, Steve? Absolutely. There's the discussion uh, of for this specific event. There's also um, my complete willingness to help hold more events like this. So I love this topic. It's a personal favorite of mine. Would love to see this uh, be done again, a part two. Uh, that could be done in any CCN plug or it can be done in another evening like this and I think that would be really a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm extending an open invitation to Emily, Olivia, and Nish to do a student radio show or a student show like this. Oh, uh, and Justin, if you're, if you're interested in doing one on the launch of your program and bringing other students in who are running micro-lending programs, I'd love to do that. Um, this is the kind of thing I really enjoy, so nobody would be um, putting me out to request that. So I thought it was terrific. I want to give Susie a round of applause here for being a terrific moderator. I'm doing that by clicking on the applause or clapping hand in the participant box. And then let's also clap for our guests. Uh, what a great job everybody's Thank done, the students in particular, then Marcy, Connie, and Sylvia, uh, this was a great session. I really enjoyed it, and I watched a number of people in the chat say um, that they thought it was terrific as well. I, wanted, I do want to make you aware that we've got uh, that KnowledgeWorks and Illuminate helped to sponsor this Future of Education series. 
and that uh, we do have John Seeley Brown coming up, David Thornburg, a virtual school series. Uh, we may slow down a little bit before NEC just because of the time, but uh, I would think that uh, sooner after we're going to be back to two or three a week. So this is really a lot of fun. Tomorrow night, Maya Frost talking about her book uh, on global students. It's called The New Global Student, and she and her husband took their four daughters and uh, sold their possessions and traveled the world and uh, had great educational experiences, so that should be a lot of fun. And that's tomorrow night, same time, same back channel, uh, here on the future of education. Susie, any last words? No, I just wanted a, one last shout out to all the students who took part. Thanks so much for um, taking time tonight to participate and to share your ideas. You were fabulous, and we love hearing from you, and hope we do more in the future. Okay, so uh, we'll keep uh, going here for a few minutes. You need to know that for the recording to process, uh, everyone will have to leave the room at some point in time. We'd love it if you would finish that evaluation before you do so. Uh, there is a question here about getting a certificate. That's only through PBS, Carol. So the PBS shows the PBS actually produces a certificate. I'm sorry that I don't have the capability of doing that. Uh, again, thanks to everybody for coming tonight, and thanks especially to those who participated as, um, as guests, including... And you can do the evaluation either in the window that came up or um, at the web link I'm putting into the chat right now. Okay, and I'll take advantage of the silence here. Uh, Susie, that was awesome. If you ever want to do an interview series, I hope you'll call me. I'd love to talk <laughs> to you. Fabulous. Good to hear, Steve. And Sylvia, you absolutely have to do a, a, a Gen yes, Generation Yes series. There's just no question about it. There's, there should be plenty of these happening. <laughs> and I'd love to help make that happen for you. So Olivia, I think you're right. Everybody does want part two. I think for sure we should schedule. It. I don't know, Susie, if you're if you're uh, wanting to pass the baton, are you willing to do another one? But for sure, that would be really fun and be very easy to set up. I'm always game. I'm sad that I will not be attending NAC in person, but um, until perhaps the last day, plans are a little up in the air. So I couldn't do it there, but I would love to stay in touch about possibilities in the future. It's as easy as just putting up a web page on future education, and uh, and we sure had some great participation. And obviously, our students are anxious to do a part two. So <laughs> maybe Connie could help organize the part two one, and it could be part two of student participation and the start of the Connie student radio show. Okay, thanks everyone. I'm going to turn the recording off, so it stops.